Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Hub podcast. This episode, I have Drea on, and we kind of catch up a little bit about her fall and just some of the uh, crazy things that have happened this fall for her. And she tells a little bit more of a personal story of yet another kind of a crazy, crazy thing that's that's uh, a part of her story. So um, pretty personal and probably can take be taken a few different ways but you can see the impact and what it had on her so we decided we wanted to tell the story maybe a little bit of the dark side of hunting camp Drea, thanks for jumping on the podcast with me and any listeners that haven't been around for a while or are new this is my friend drea Grand growth, and we've been uh, communicating and teaming up and hunting and doing a variety of things for staying in, in contact for some time now. Uh, and uh, it's been great. Really enjoy chatting with you, catching up on your hunting through the fall, hunting through the spring, hunting through just hunts year round now. And it's it, that's kind of the way way it's been it's hard to catch people sometimes because we're always going from one thing to the next you're in pennsylvania right now uh having a little fun adventure with your boyfriend there and getting some hunting in as well which is awesome that uh take advantage of those those uh travels is a, a great time to learn something new and i'm sure uh the whitetails there taught you something but uh yeah how's it going things are good things are good thanks for having me on it's always good to to chat with you, especially on here and be able to share stories with people, but it's good to be here in, in PA. It's nice to take some time after guide season to, especially to hunt for myself and to be able to enjoy that time. I've just, I feel like I've been working so hard the last six months. I was in Colorado um, previously leading up to diving in Montana and I've just been hustling, just working so hard, getting ready for archery season in Colorado and then going to Montana for rifle season. It just, life hasn't slowed down. So it's been really good to be here and sitting in a tree stand for the first time has been a learning experience. It's been fun. It's Mm. been nice to just be able to sit and be still and be quiet and listen because I've been needing that for a while. So it's been good. Yeah, give uh, folks just a little bit about kind of all your irons in the fire, what you do, what you're about. Uh, that's always it's uh, a lot. A lot has happened in the last five years of your life, and 
um, for even the last two since I've two and a half since I've known you that that just a little bit here, a little bit there, and there's been uh, a lot of successes along the way and a lot of challenges. And um, just uh, kind of a little bit about what you do, as in Ridge Patrol, the guiding, the this that. Kind of give everyone a little bit of what you got your hands in. I think about that a lot. I'm like, wow, life just doesn't seem to slow down. I've always been an opportunist and there's been some pretty great opportunities that have come my way in the past couple years. And I've really spent ideally, I guess the last seven years on focusing on just myself and trying to sort of pave my way in this industry and just um, healing from some past trauma and such. So I've got a lot of irons in the fire right now. Like you said, I'm I'm working on a book, actually. It's a inspirational memoir, and I'm in the process of editing that right now and finishing up. Hopefully that will be going on uh, pre-sale here in a couple months for people to be able to purchase through audiobook or purchase a paper version of my book. So busy working on that. I am the co-founder of Ridge Patrol. It's a women-specific hunting and outdoor clothing line. We are fairly new. We were a year in August, so we're going on, I guess, almost a year and a half in business. Um, as a co-founder, I test out all the gear. I wear all the gear in the field all the time. And with being new, we are limited as to what we have. But 2023, we have a new product, a couple pieces um, coming out. They won't be available to, for purchase for a couple more years, but we're working on some really awesome prototypes on a piece of clothing that is not in the market yet. So very exciting stuff there. So some new things coming to the outdoor women, whether you're a hiker, a skier, a hunter, a fisher, or you just love to get out and camp, whatever it may be, that is our focus there. I'm also a hunting guide. So I was guiding in Colorado for six years. And then this past fall ended up going to Montana, chasing an opportunity there with Upper Canyon Outfitters, a phenomenal outfitter that's been in the business for a long time, family owned, and had the opportunity to guide for them this last fall. And um, fell in love with Montana so much that I moved back to Colorado to grab my things and I will be claiming residency in Montana come March once I've been there for six months, so. Man, that's a big change. Yeah. A lot going on, a lot of really good things. Um, I've always, I've always wanted to live in Montana ever since I was a little kid and just life happened. I, you know, timing is, I believe timing is everything. And there was just a lot of things that sort of happened and came together this last fall. And it was just the perfect opportunity and perfect timing to go. And I did, I kind of followed that, that instinct, that gut instinct and that intuition that I've been feeling for a long time. And um, I'm excited now to be in Montana and meet some like-minded people there and sort of build a community near the Bozeman area, um, just a couple hours from Bozeman, um, but kind of in that area. Yeah, that's uh, that helps catch everybody up. And so we're going to jump right into some some situation stories, whatever things catching up over the fall. And I'm going to challenge you with a question. What is the biggest holy crap that just happened? hunting moment of the fall build with a client or just in general just in general like with a with an 
a interaction with a wild animal. I don't care if that's an owl or an elk. <laughs> just like what was the <laughs> the biggest holy crap that just happened? Let's see. That's that's tough. That's on the spot. I know, um, and I didn't want to tell you ahead of time. <laughs> um, let's see. I was in Montana, grizzly country. Didn't see any bears except for one black bear. Um, I this doesn't pertain to an animal, but I had a client blow out a knee on the mountain, blew the meniscus, the ACL, and another part. And I mean, luckily we we're in an area where we had service and we were able to call back to camp, but he was persistent. He was like, no, we're going to hunt. We're going to go down this mountain. And I'm like, that's not happening because I'm not going to be able to carry you off this mountain. You're not going to be able to walk. But within that 400 yards from the road to going down the mountain, his knee just completely blew out. And it took us like an hour to, to get back, back up the mountain. Um, nothing super crazy with animals. I had a very successful season. I got every single client an animal except for one this year. So that was, that feels good. Hmm. And it was at the blown out knee. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So good, so. good excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that makes you feel good. Like I, I understand that very much. You gotta, you got people that are relying on you to put them in front of animals. And even, even though you, they aren't paying to harvest an animal, they're paying for the experience. I think you told me that once, right? That sounds familiar, like you said something like that. But they're paying for the experience, the hunt, this and that. You're not paying for an animal. If you pay for an animal, you go to Africa or go down to Texas and, or shoot something in a high fence area. You're paying for the animal. Um, but you set these like personal goals for yourself of and that pressure on, I got to get this person an animal, despite it being a, uh, I need to, despite that person having a, having a tag and wanting to get it, get it done. You want to, you want them to have that tag filled. Um, whether that's the happens right away or day five, but, um, I understand that very much. You want to get them, get them filled. So that's a, that's a, that's an accomplishment. Good work. Okay. So that was, that was one hunt in, uh, in the fall. So what was, what was the rest of your fall like for, for hunting for yourself? I, I know the, the guiding has been something that's, uh, it fills your, your time majority and your time in the field. But what about yourself? What was, uh, what was on the docket? I actually want to go back. I want to combine this question and the previous question that you asked okay. of me. Um, and so I had a crazy experience this year. I took an opportunity last, I suppose it was last winter with an outfitter in Colorado. And essentially I was, taking over a management position of their, their two remote cabins where I was booking all of the hunts. So that includes all like the customer service with that, you know, working with the clients, getting them set up with their hunt. You know, that meant getting them their tags, helping them get their tags. I spent hours on the phone with clients, just helping them make sure they're putting in the right points, the right units, you name it. You know, once spring came, it was time to clean the cabins, cut all the firewood, do everything. And it was, it was a lot of work, a lot of hours. I spent a lot of my own personal money on chainsaws and gear for the cabins and was super excited. I loved having that responsibility. I felt like I was creating something for myself and for my clients. Like it was a lot of hard work, sweat, labor, money, tears, you name it. 
and just hustled all through the winter and the spring and the summer getting ready for that. Had a phenomenal first week of archery season with my client. It was probably the best week of guiding I've ever had as far as um, elk reaction opportunities. He shot at three different bulls and finally on the fifth day was able to connect with a fourth bull. Um, and the bulls that he shot at were all misses. And so luckily no animals were injured, but it was just, it was so much fun. Every morning, every evening we were in on the elk and just had a really great time. He was in great shape. He was like the perfect client, just like very positive. You know, it was like, what's meant to be is will be Drea. Like, it's fine. Let's just keep going. We, we hiked about 10 miles a day and just, we got after it and we had a really great week. He harvested a beautiful bull and I was just on this high. I was like, yes, this is what I've been working towards. This is what I love doing. Um, in that whole process, I had a standby guide, which was helping with glassing. So they would glass in the mornings and the evenings. They would um, help with Remy, my dog, you know, cause she stayed at camp. They were just like my standby go-to guide. If we got an animal down, they were there to help with the pack outs. They were there to help with cooking meals, keeping the cabin clean. You name it. Like I said, it comes back to that guest experience. I wanted to make sure I had enough help there and that my client was just having a good time. So we got back to camp. Um, I believe it was like day two of the hunt. And my standby guide was there and I was like, hey, can you run down to main camp? We need the chicken for tonight's dinner. Like it was thawing down at main camp and we needed some some ice for the cooler. So I sent him down to camp to grab some things. Client and I, we were just enjoying the morning, um, you know, shooting our bows after the morning hunt, relaxing, enjoying the, the porch views. And my standby guide came back to camp and was just like, hey, Drea, something really weird just happened. I want to talk to you about it. And I was like, yeah, what's up? And he had mentioned how when he walked into the lodge of the main camp, one of the guides there who happens to be an older gentleman, I would say probably late 50s, early 60s, is also married. Um, this gentleman, just him and I seemed to, to buds quite a bit. The very first time I met this guy, he told me Ridge Patrol would never succeed. So I already kind of was like, wasn't a fan, but I was cordial. I was professional. That's a lot to say. That's a loaded (laughs) thing to say to somebody. Yeah. You got to have some balls to say that to anyone, whether you know them or not. (laughs) And I sort of took it as like, okay, he's feeling threatened. Yeah. Bring it on. Like I'm going to show you, like, I'll show you for sure. Rich patrol will absolutely succeed. So this gentleman, uh, made a comment towards my standby guide. Um, he was like, my guide walked into the lodge and he was like, Oh, what are you doing down here? Did Drea send you in for her dildo in Mm. front of his wife, in front of the clients? Apparently the owner was there. You know, everyone I talked to after this had a different story on who was actually present or not. And, but regardless of the fact he said that out loud to another person, um, you know, I wasn't there directly, so technically it's not sexual harassment to me, but it is still a form of sexual harassment. And so that guide, the standby guide, was extremely uncomfortable, told me about this right away, and I was just like, you know, what a piece of 
know, like whatever, whatever we've got elk to kill. I'm not going to let it bother me because we were having a really good time just being in the elk. And like, I was hyped on that. I wasn't going to let it ruin my week. And I was able to sort of just like push through it and not let it bother me for a few days. First week of season is over. My client leaves and the clients that come on in, which is the one that blew his knee out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ended up, I ended up just staying back at main down at main camp. I would sleep down there and then go up and guide them. But being down in main camp and being around that toxicity, that toxic energy there and having to see this other guide, this older man that made the comment about me, like I, I hadn't felt that feeling ever. Like the last time I felt that feeling was back when I first started dealing with the sexual abuse that I suffered when I was a kid. And so some, some people there were claiming that I was triggered. Like they were using the fact that I was triggered and that it wasn't a big deal, but like, I literally was sick. I, I couldn't stand being around him. I would just like hide in the cabin, which is unlike me. I'm a very like personable person. I really enjoy hanging out with clients and getting to know clients and being around them and, you know, being around the whole community sense of it. But I, I was so angry (laughs) at this guy for saying this comment. And, um, he had left a note on one of my Jeeps, like, regarding that I needed to talk to him first before putting my client who blew his knee out before putting him at a stand. So since he blew his knee out, I wasn't able to hike him around. And so he hunted down at main camp where I was able to drive him to a stand to sit for the evenings and the mornings and whatnot. And so I addressed the issue um, with the owner and sort of his business partner and his son that was in camp. And of course they were very apologetic and we're like, we will talk to him. Um, you know, we'll let him know to come apologize to you. And I was like, well, first off, I don't want to talk to this man right now while we have clients in camp because I don't want clients experiencing me and a piece of my mind. Cause I was, I was really, really angry. I was like, sure. felt very disrespected, very violated. And so they're like, all right, we'll talk to him. Um, turns out they talked to him and he admitted to being a sexist pig. And everyone kind of just brushed it off as like, hey, he was probably just he probably had a few beers and he just made a crude comment, regardless of him having a few beers or not. Like that is not acceptable anywhere, whether it's in the workplace, in your friends group, like in your home, wherever it may be. And the whole situation just sort of was not handled professionally. And I ultimately decided that. I needed to, to leave. Uh, yeah. So I would go into the main lodge, grab my dinner and I would go back to my cabin just cause I, I literally, I literally was sick. I was nauseous. I was angry and I didn't want to be around that toxic energy. So I ended up leaving that outfitter. I made the decision to leave for the final two weeks of archery season. I didn't have any guided hunts in the book. So I knew that was fine. Like it was all self-guided hunters coming in. So they were essentially having to take care of themselves. And I told the boss, I was just like, Hey, I can't be around this toxic person. And you guys aren't really showing me the, you're not really dealing with this. You just, you're talk, you talk to him and that's it. Like there's no repercussions for him. And so I'm going to go and I'll be back for rifle season. And the way the things unplayed from there was, 
just very unprofessional. Everyone kind of seemed to be, uh, everyone was like a little spy. It felt like, like I felt like I couldn't trust anyone. I was talking to one of the employees. I tried to talk to him about it, but he was just like, I don't want to know anything. Leave me out of it. There was no like, hey, how can we help this situation? What can we do to make things better? What can we do to prevent this in the future? Like what steps need to be taken to make this, you know, like what, what should we like, how can we improve to make this better? So like, I was thinking about these clients who are coming in, like, what did those clients take away from that experience? I guarantee you not great things like as sportswomen and sportsmen, as professional hunting guides, as people in the field who enjoy our public lands and especially in the industry, like we need to hold ourselves to a much higher standard of not what went down. Like, I think it's very important that we talk about these things because I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person it's happened to. I'm sure it's happened to other people and they've just sort of shoved it under the rug. Um, and so, yeah, that was very unexpected, but I've always been an advocate for taking care of myself first. And if I'm not being supported, especially in like a workplace, I'm going to go. So I ended up leaving and um, a couple weeks later, headed out to Montana where I had an opportunity of guiding, continuing to guide there. Cause I didn't want to just quit. I was like, I want to keep guiding. We've got rifle season coming up. So I'm going to see if there are any other opportunities out there and ultimately found um, upper Canyon outfitters in Montana. Um, the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history designed by John Browning. The 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U S military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You know, the um, the perception of a scenario like that is so different with each party involved. And there's so mm-hmm. many different pieces. Like that sent you back to a pretty dark time in your life. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm to that guy in his perception was, well, I probably shouldn't have said that, but it's not a big deal. And yeah. the b- main boss or owner was probably in that situation of, Ooh, yeah, but let's just cover that up. It should just go, go away. Um, mm-hmm. and, 
seeing those they will never see and and same thing with anything i say that i don't mean to down the road we'll never understand uh, what those those little impacts are in in and, and how that replayed over and over in your head uh, it sent you back to to not a great time so just a mm-hmm. simple little simple not i'm not downplaying it but just one short it took two seconds to say something uh mm-hmm. could be so damaging because uh, you never know where somebody's sitting and perception is something i always brought up with my high schoolers uh to really understand situations in life that and, and with my wrestlers as well when i coach the to you need to understand that perception is is different in everybody's eyes and, and they're going to see things differently so mm-hmm. it, it's sad to see uh that it that it was handled in that way and um and and maybe not had had that played out in a more oh crap that was and, and taken that on by the person that said that and and approached you how do you see that uh going differently yeah things played out differently in that ultimately i i probably would have stayed there i probably would have worked through that rifle season and I wouldn't have left, but I honestly think it was a blessing in disguise to leave because there were a lot of red flags throughout the spring and the summer. And I just sort of dealt with them because I knew it was such a great opportunity and I wanted, I've never been one to, to quit easy. And I, I love hard work and it was, I, it was a great opportunity to have. And so ultimately, you know, I may not have walked away, but I'm, I'm really glad I did after, you know, life life life's crazy these things happen and like we have the power to decide what we get to do and there was just like as soon as i left that place i received an email saying you are no longer welcome on the property we are going to box up all your things and we'll bring them to the bottom of the road for you to pick up like you can't have any more conversation communication with these clients this and that and i'm like whoa okay, for one, I was the one violated here. I have done nothing wrong. I have removed myself from the situation. And now I can't even come back up there to pack up my own personal belongings. That's not going to happen. Like once that response came back from them, I knew for certain that I had made the right decision. And Mm -hmm. as soon as I packed up my things from there, this huge weight was lifted. And I was just like, wow, this, I have been holding on to like this like anxiety for so long. Cause each time those red flags would come up, it was just like, Oh, fine. Just, just deal with it, Drea. And it made me think about anyone else who might be in a situation like with their workplace or their relationship or whatever it may be, where there's just this underlining red flags, this underlining anxiety and like stress. And then when that's gone, it's like, wow, like, okay, what's next? Like, I'm going to use this to move forward and um, to be able to, you know, just sort of move on from that. One of the main reasons I asked you if you'd want to tell this story is is for the sake of what the heck happens in hunting camp or what the heck happens in on vacation where all ambitions just get thrown to the wind and uh, it's it's like 
ah, we're, we're in a new state. We're good. We can do whatever. Um, or maybe those, the, the guys, cause it wasn't the clients at the time you had awesome clients. Um, but it was probably that same sort of, we're away from civilization. That stuff's okay. Or, uh, or the bigger thing is they're professionals running a business. I would love to tell some of my customers that email and text me, literally that's a customer right now texting me and called me three times and text me twice. And I said, I'm on the phone and I can't tell them. <laughs> it's like, tell them, just leave me alone right now. You're distracting yeah. me. I need right. to have a level of, of professionalism and run my business and talk to them and be super mm-hmm. kind to them. Uh, yeah. But, and that's not even close to the same example, but a, a level of professionalism, not just hunter to hunter, but uh, in the field in general, so that that level of perception is, uh, or the perception of hunters is that we are good people. We're not a bunch mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. hillbilly rednecks, whatever, uh, that are blatantly saying things and doing and just not good people. So that doesn't really help the industry whatsoever. And yeah, so that was kind of the big thing. I wanted, really wanted to share that, and you, you see that occasionally. Where do, where do the the guys that make mistakes and and do things they wouldn't do at home in their families? That guy was married. Uh, mm-hmm. It was away from home. It's in that hunting camp. It's a, in on a vacation. It's it's doesn't make any sense to me. And nobody ever talks about that uh, mm-hmm. as to. Why do ambitions go out the window? Why do we, why does that happen? I don't, I don't mm-hmm. get it. And I think, I kind of think that I'm not even close to the situation, but I feel like that's kind of what happened there is he was, and I don't, he was with his buddies. He was in his, he was in his element. He was in mm-hmm. his element of this is hunting camp. This is mine. This is where, what I run and I can say and do whatever I want. Uh, mm-hmm. and then you add money to it. I don't know if the guy's got money, but seems like that always adds to it where they can buy themselves out of the situation or, um, control the situation and mm-hmm. in that way. And you just got the brunt end of it of okay, kicked out, exiled, no communication, nothing, uh, yeah. try to cover that up. But here we are talking about it, which we agreed. We weren't going to mention the, the names of the, the company, um, and the guide just, for the sake of, it doesn't matter anymore where you've moved on and it was a blessing. It was a great, great thing to, to move away from. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on, on that, uh, why people lose their inhibition or lose their, um, their integrity in, in such a situation yeah. or their professionalism. Yeah. I've, I've seen it a lot where, you know, these guys come into hunting camp and everyone's puffing their feathers. Everyone's trying to like be the biggest man in the room. Um, and some of my coworkers were, were trying to blame it on like, Oh, he must just had a couple beers. And, you know, he said some crude comment. I'm like, no, this was 10 o'clock in the morning. He wasn't drinking. This was straight up just wrong. He admitted to being a sexist pig you know, to, to, uh, my boss's face and everything was just kind of like, Oh, it's no big deal. Drea, you've got to, you've got to be tougher. You can't let one person's comment ruin your day. And it comes down to, (laughs) 
I felt violated. I was disrespected. This is not okay. No matter if you, if you work in an office space somewhere or wherever it is, wherever your workplace may be, these things just are not acceptable. And especially as hunters, as we have, I feel like we really have to put in the extra work to prove that we're not just rednecks out there drinking beer, shooting animals from off a truck that we, you know, we have a really deep care for the animals we pursue for the land as, and working with an outfitter teamwork is essential in being able to have a good operation. And when that teamwork is not there, when respect isn't there for your coworkers, it's not going to happen. Um, so I think it's just our job. Like you said, it's happened. It's in the past. Like I'm essentially like over it, you know, I'm not over it, but it's, I'm not sitting here trying to place blame on the outfitter itself, but just more so like we keep saying, we need to set this precedent as, as hunters, as outdoor enthusiasts, you name it. And probably a good, good reason to get references, chat with people before you go on a, to a, to an outfitter. That's that I don't have any experience with me personally buying a hunt, doing, being a part of an outfitter, um, other than deep sea related stuff and Mm -hmm. still have not had a great experience in my life with a, that kind of guide. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just uh, one, I don't have the money to dish out for a reputable one. I don't have the, um, I don't know where I sit with that. I, I I got a, but one of my best friends is down in Texas. We're going to go visit him. Uh, this week and there it's a lot of the it's a different style of hunting and he talked about well we could we can go shoot a black buck we can go shoot an axis and i just i don't know it's the different kind of deal because it's basically an unguided thing through an outfitter um where i just feel out of control in those such situations versus (laughs) me applying for my tag finding a place to hunt and going I don't know. I'm talking yeah. people out of a guided hunt, or that's not the not the thing. I just um, that that uh, situation of of an outfitter is is a daunting task to go find a good one uh, to, and that's why they got full magazines full. Of, what's that, Colorado Hunter or whatever that magazine <laughs> is? Just straight list of outfitters, and to find somebody that's quality, to find somebody that is going to ha- give you a good experience, and um, it's on the hunter too to really help create that experience. You're not going to be that guy that that just shows up out of shape, uh, expecting a 350 bull to be standing there somewhere. Um, you put the work in. I I take a the day I do go to an outfitter or do something or pay for something. I'm gonna take a take a play out of my buddy Danny's book that he he talks about when he's on these hunts with these men or these outfitters. He's wanting to learn. He's wanting to chat. He's wanting to talk. He, he reads about the history in the area. He, he does a full, his homework on, uh, the area, the people, the hunt. And when he's there, he said he feels so welcomed by the people. And he always gets comments about, yeah, we'll take you hunting anytime. We'll take you hunting anytime. <laughs> Cause when he's shooting his Ibex or whatever, he just shot a chamois in Spain. And I guarantee he didn't care if it was a big one. He didn't care. He was there for the experience. Uh, and he didn't care if his Ibex was broken off or not. Didn't care. 
that was not yeah. the important thing. And he didn't get disappointed when he walked up and saw it was broken or this and that, like some clients do. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm reminded by a, my very first and limited guiding experience I've had in college working at a, a, a pheasant lodge that was very poorly ran and was not ethically done. And I've got trauma from that part of my life and things that I don't want to share that we did. It was not a great place. Um, and I remember taking the owner out in a duck hunt and it was lightning and thunder and rain just downpour like the perfect duck season day, perfect duck day, probably the best duck hunting I've ever had, but I was laying on the ground crouched down, just hoping not to get struck by lightning. And those rich dudes sitting up on their buckets, six o'clock in the morning with a cigar in their mouth, shooting, shooting their guns. And just that image is imprinted in my head that that's not who I want to be as a hunter. That's not who Mm -hmm. I want to be as a client to some outfitter. Um, that's not what I want to be, but Anyway, I don't know what I'm rambling on about, <laughs> but uh, it, it is not about me. So um, you left. You, that was a great thing. You're off to Montana, and it's been a great thing. What all happened there? Yeah, so um, I originally found this job with Upper Canyon Outfitters because uh, I threw out a post on social media, and this is one of the upsides of social media put a post out saying, you know, current job didn't work out looking for another guide position open to traveling. And, um, Karen, she was, she was a fly fishing guide with upper Canyon outfitters. She reached out to me and was like, Hey, um, upper Canyon outfitters is looking for guides. They're a very reputable company. I've worked for them for a couple of years. I love them. They're great. And it's ran by a woman. And I was like, awesome. And she's like, I'll send over your contact info. And so I ended up contacting them and went out to Montana for, I guess it would be for their rifle season. So it was beginning of October that I went out there. And so their rifle season is five weeks straight. And so they would do every five days we would hunt. And then, so we were working five days and then we would have a day off. And then that next day, our clients would come in. So we really only had like a day and a half off between the five days. And they offer elk hunts and then mule deer and whitetail hunts as well. So it's like a combo tag. And so I got my client, my very first whitetail. That was cool to be on a whitetail hunt and see all that go down. And um, got several elk down, quite a few mule deer down. And it was, it was quite life-changing i am going to be writing about this experience in my book this will sort of be the ending of my book um i went from you know like people say you don't know how bad it is until you remove yourself from the situation and that's how i felt like with the previous outfitter it was just kind of like all right this is how things are done i guess this is what it's supposed to be like in the guiding world and to go to an outfitter that has been in the industry since I might get this wrong, but like the late or was it the early 1900s, like they have five generations on property right now. And there it's been in the, it's been a family business forever. And that's what they're all about is they're about um, family business and just really good people. They have a really good staff, Donna, 
the owner. So it's Donna and Jake. Donna's um, on the board of Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, and she's quite the reputable woman in the hunting industry. And they're just really good people. She brought on a fantastic, a fantastic staff this year. She said it was her her best year yet of employees, and it was just really amazing to go from one like a drastic change from one to the other and to be able to run around in completely different country than Colorado and to have sort of that underlining like oh is there a grizzly bear around the corner but it just felt felt a little bit more wild I heard the wolves several times I was close to the wolves but never actually saw them never saw any grizzlies but we saw some sign and um so yeah it was a really amazing opportunity in the summer they are like a guest ranch so they do fly fishing they do horseback rides they do um, atv tours they have 800,000 acres of national forest that they are permitted to guide on and they are the only outfitter in that area that is allowed to guide and so you're not running into other guides or you know other outfitters out there and yeah they're they're an outstanding company i'm super happy i'm going to be returning I'm actually living on property this winter there, and then I will be returning as an employee in May once the spring season starts up. So be running, running around looking for some bears and turkeys for myself come springtime in May. Oh, you've got some redemption there to, to pay mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to get to yep. on that bear. Yeah. Um, what are you going to go hunting with this time? Cause I know last time it was Henry rifles that, that did yeah. that. You got that same rifle. Yep, I've got a 308 Henry lever action, so I'm going to use that. Ideally, I want to do open sights just because I want I want to get in a little bit closer. But at the same time, I'm, I should throw a scope on there just because I I want to make sure I'm making an ethical shot. Um, but either way, I'm going to use my 308 Henry for that. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's real yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um, man, that's a, a big change over the last little bit. Um and a little bit of segue, we've kind of covered some of our things we wanted for a second episode, but uh, the fact that this one's a little shorter is just fine. Um, and what I'd like to do is is get you on one more time or a third time, depending, and just kind of talk about some of those those exact hunts, the strategies, the, the dive into those and, and what made them so successful, um, being able to, to close a gap. But I keep thinking over and over again, you must be a absolute beast right now. Out of many animals you've packed out. How's your back feeling? <laughs> I mean, you know, back, my back's feeling good. It's, uh, I was having issues with my knee during season and they actually bring on a massage therapist. She comes in every week. And so I got a couple massages from her and she really helped with my knee. It was just so many pack outs. And then if you think about summer training all summer, um, and so my knees, my knees are where it's at. Um, my, my back's feeling good and feeling strong, definitely feeling a little bit of holiday weight right now, but you know, that, (laughs) that happens. (laughs) Well, you've got, you've got plenty in the docket to, to shed that if you're wanting to <laughs> and uh oh, really i'm get... looking forward to, to spring's gonna be shed hunting there's the elk literally live like the elk don't migrate in that area so they're like in our backyard all the way through the spring until summer when they move up and so we're gonna have really 
really good spots to be able to go out. They have a couple private land leases that we can run around on as well. So I'm not worried about it. You know, it, it comes down to the lifestyle. Everyone always asks me, Oh, how do you train for hunting season? Well, I don't really train. I you just do it. It's just do it. Like every, yeah. every month is a different adventure, whether it's shed hunting or a bear hunt or whatever it may be. So, hmm. yeah, well, that's, that's awesome. And I'm excited for you to, uh, in May, you're, is it the photography thing we're talking about that you were going to be going back and do for him? Yeah. So it's not, um, it's not like a position that they have right now, but it's a position they've been looking to fill. So I essentially will be their on-site photographer throughout the spring and summer documenting fishing trips, horseback rides, whatnot. And I would handle like their marketing and, and social media, some blogging. And so sort of everything that I have been working towards with Ridge Patrol and with my own personal blog, I'm sort of taking over all of that. And I'll be able to have Remy with me at work. So it'll be perfect. I don't have to have her locked up in a cabin all day. And it will be a great way to just sort of bounce around and learn all the different operations. They are in the process right now of sort of the owners are passing down the business to their daughter and husband. And so they're in a transition where they need reliable people to sort of take on these new roles. And I'm really excited to be a part of that. Well, awesome. Well, yeah. thanks. Thanks again. Why don't you plug real quick? Um, anything you want to plug? Ridge yeah, Patrol, your book? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good things. Um, like I mentioned in the beginning, I'm, I'm working on a book right now. We will probably talk more about that sure. on our next episode. Um, but it's just as a, a little quick rundown of the book. It's just all about hunting stories, mental health, things that happen behind religious doors, paving my way in the hunting industry, you name it. Um, it's just more of like a inspirational self-memoir book. Um, Ridge Patrol, like I said, Women's Specific Clothing Line. We have some sales going on right now, actually. So all the way through this week, I'm not sure when you're posting this episode, but our hoodies and our jackets are on sale right now till Sunday. And so you can find us on Instagram, Ridge Patrol, or you can go to our website, ridgepatrol.com. And we have some exciting news coming out. We are working on a product that I have designed myself that is not on the market at all. And it is going to be geared and made for women that is like our goal and so no matter your body type you are going to be able to use this product and like i said it's not on the market yet so you can head to our website join our email list because we always let our email list know firsthand the things that we're working on sales new product you name it so well i do need to get my wife a pair of pants or something so i took her pheasant hunting <laughs> this last she wanted to go and my wife's not a hunter um she wanted birds she doesn't care but she she's like many people to can't shoot anything with eyelashes uh but doesn't want to shoot a deer but said yeah let's go shoot some birds so we went out and i had nothing for her for <laughs> bottoms nothing so she and she's like i ain't walking through that stuff in my leggings and whatever else and it was not ideal for like jeans and it's not not that so i had a pair of camo coverall stuff that were would fit her fine but too heavy and we got dumped on in snow trying to trek through that stuff it was not long before i heard a few swear words and saying i'm done <laughs> 
I don't know how you guys do this all day. You don't drink any water. You just keep going and going all day. How do you do this? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so I need to get her a pair of pants. That yeah, well, better she, hop on that because we've got like one pair left. That's and... what I was worried about. And I just realized that last week that was like, yeah. shoot, I should have been getting her something for those random times. So right. if I miss it this time, I'll get the next round down the road of when you <laughs> guys get that material back in for the pants. So, yeah. um, well, thank you so much again. And next episode, we got some frostbite, uh, stuff, some, uh, <laughs> When your client isn't prepared, stories. It's mm-hmm. like mule deer elk hunt story, yeah. archery success, success story. Um, and then, yeah, I'd love to hear some off-season tactics then for the, while well, we're in the off-season now, just some tactics that uh, work for you. So thanks again, Drea. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, we'll see you. Thanks everyone for listening to this and the more I thought back on the whole episode and listened to myself and listened to Drea, the more I thought about how it applies to so many more, so many different areas of our lives as hunters and how we represent our community. It's pretty important to to be doing it with integrity. Um, just another example of chatting with a landowner today where someone felt entitled to go right onto the property, onto the high water mark where it would be legal and he just threw some attitude right back at the landowner landowner wasn't happy kicked him out of there because uh, it was questionable whether it was under the high water mark and all this stuff but just did not respect re- treat the landowner with any respect uh ended up just feeling making it he he acted like he deserved to be there uh and that's just a different type of example of having some professionalism as hunters and i think this is a extreme example of dreas where that was something uh, in you know her career and in, in the workplace uh but a lot of us hunters and uh inter- interact with those folks in the in while they're working when while we're hunting so I know that was a lot of rambling on my part. I don't know if it settled with any of you, but it settled with me, made sense to me, and maybe to that little kid crying back there or yapping back there. So um, anyway, thanks for listening and got some good stuff coming for you. I know I keep saying that, but making some more progress to keep those episodes rolling each week. Thanks again for sticking with us. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.